performance is not just for top athletes and actors. It's something we engage in every day of our lives. But the question is, are we performing at our best? How we think, feel, and behave all influence our results from day to day. Dr. Christie and her guests will show you the common elements behind performance and how it all ties back to our success. Welcome to The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christy Warner. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Warner. And um, it's a beautiful, hot and sunny day today in Washington, D.C. So I'm excited to, to be on the show. And today we are really going to explore behavior change. Learn to love the plateau and go beyond limitations. Last week we looked at what it means to be a corporate athlete and um, how can we use psychology to really enhance workplace performance. We will continue part two of that discussion in a couple weeks with a few other related topics in between. Next week we're going to look at how you can use your brain more effectively at work and how we can use technology to empower your performance at work and stay in balance in our lives. So that's what's coming up in the next couple weeks. And I say that because I want to make sure that um, we take a pause because it's really important to understand behavior change for better performance. We've been talking about some strategies to increase your performance over the last couple weeks, and we're going to have more to come, as I was just sharing with you. So I really want to take a pause to talk about the importance of changing our behavior to get a new result in our life. How do we change it? How do we create new habits? And what gets in our way of creating these new habits that create better results for us? So in order to elevate our performance, we have to try something new. We have to implement a new strategy and sustain it over time. And it's that sustaining over time that can be the trickiest piece. So hopefully what you learned today will help empower you to keep up with any changes you've already started from other shows you might have listened to or behaviors you're going to start to implement from our upcoming shows. So why the heck is change so difficult? I hear this all of the time on TV, in coffee shops, in the corporate world. I hear that change is so hard for individuals and groups. I even hear that with the larger change management initiatives within companies. Change is so tough for people. Change is so tough, so hard. So is it this hard or is it just that we've inherited or swallowed or taken this belief in because we've heard it over and over and over again in our society. Maybe we've just started to believe it. And it's interesting, according to APA, which is Psychological Association, they polled a bunch of people in 2013 and they found out that fewer than one in five adults, that's only 16%, report being very successful at making health-related improvements, such as losing weight, starting a new exercise program, eating healthier, and reducing stress in that in that year. So the question is, how can we increase this percentage? So of course, eating well, feeling good, working out, reducing your stress is all very, very important for performance and anything. But also, how do we make sure that we're increasing our rate of success with our changes so that we can get those results that we want, whether it's you know in sales, whether it's implementing more productivity strategies, stress reduction, How do we create best performances by using performance routines? So how can we do all that and make sure that we're getting the changes we want? Um, It's also known that only 15 to 20% of change management initiatives uh, meet their objectives. So whether we're talking about individuals or group change, it seems to be challenging for us humans. But the funny thing is this. We are always changing. 
our bodies and cells are consistently changing. When we eat something, our body responds. The stomach puts in more bile into our stomach to start breaking down the food, absorbing nutrients, eliminating waste. Our body is always changing and it's used to change. Day in, day out, our cells are regenerating. Some of them are dying. Some of them are growing. We're getting newness constantly in our body. So what's the block? The block clearly is not with our body, so it must be with our mind. So what's going on with this change? So I want to just take a second to talk about the the mind's role here. We are made up of over 50 trillion cells, and we're a collection of cells, ultimately. And you can think of your mind as like the government or the CEO of these 50 trillion cells. The mind is a very, very powerful part of the body. And you can think of the mind also, we could get into more detail, but just in the simplest way to look at the mind is we have our unconscious mind, which is really like a download of many different programs we often call habits. The mind has many programs, just like your computer does, and it often operates outside of our awareness or outside of our consciousness. However, some of these programs are flawed or they're obsolete. They don't really match what you want today or who you are today, but yet these programs are running in the background of our mind. Our conscious mind is more of the creative program, if you will. It has all your desires and wishes and wants and all those other things and things we're trying to focus on in the moment. But it turns out that when we really look um, at our behavior, it's been shown that 80 to 95% of our daily activities are actually being run by our unconscious mind. So who is really driving the bus here, the conscious mind or the unconscious? Um, And really, it seems to be the unconscious. So we really want to have good habits. So that means we want to have good programming in our brain to support our life, to support our daily performance, and to really support our results. So one way that we can look at changing our habits is to change our thinking. I know the, I know you guys knew that was coming. So I want to go over the ABCs of, of behavior change. So I want to go through some methods of behavior change, and then we'll get into how you can change behavior. So the first and foremost, the easiest way to think about behavior change with the ABCs is to think about like a triangle. We got A for affect. That's how you feel about something. I feel like going to the gym. You don't feel like going to the gym. You hate carrots, whatever the case may be. That's your feelings. Then we also have B for behavior. That's the behaviors that we have in the world. And then we have C for cognition. So that's what you're thinking about. And this triangle has arrows. Think about how it has arrows. And each one of these things influences the other. And often what happens is people try to attack one of those things. I'm just going to change my behavior. But that doesn't really create sustainable change. So lots of times we try to change our behavior. We say, well, go to the gym three times this week. And then we quickly find out that our thoughts and our feelings influence whether or not we went to the gym this week. You know, we were not feeling good, we didn't want to, whatever the case may be. Those are our thoughts and feelings, which influence our behavior. So it turns out if we just look at the behavior piece, we're not going to get the amount of change that we really want. So what we want to do is, in any instance, we want to start looking at how do we feel about things, how do we think about things to influence our behaviors. And what's great about this whole model is we can start anywhere because obviously changing some of your behaviors will also influence how you're thinking. 
So if you're starting to work out and it's feeling really good, well, that starts to reinforce your thought process around working out. So you get more consistent behavior. So you can start at either either one of these points of the triangle, but we do want to be aware that they do impact each other. So it's not just about your behaviors. It is also about what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And you can start at any of those points. And there was a quote that I really liked, and it's, Manish, it's from Manish Abram, and he says, our actions change our minds, our minds can change our behavior, and our behavior can change our outcomes. And I think that really demonstrates that cycle where we can be changing our behavior, we can be changing our thinking, but really what I want to drive home is that we get the best change when we're changing all three of those things. So change is really a process, it's not an event, and that's where people can sometimes get hung up. It's going to be a process. It's not one thing that happens and then boom, everything, you know, we've changed our, our habits that are those that programming. It takes a little bit of time. And there is a cycle of change that I think some people may be familiar with, but I wanted to go through in case this really helps you to think through where you are in your chain, where changing your behavior. And one is the pre-contemplation stage. And that's where you're not really, you have no intent in changing anything right now. Everything feels okay. Or you sort of know something's off, but you're not really ready to make a change in any particular area, then you have that contemplation stage. That's where you kind of get it. You know something's off. You know something could be better. Something could be different. Um, but you're not quite ready to engage in that yet. You're sort of in that indecisive point. You might be engaging in self-talk like you want to go do this or you want to do that. But it's at least in your awareness that something needs to needs to shift in your world. Then we move to the preparation preparation stage. And I think this is a really, really important piece of change that I think a lot of people really skip over for themselves. And that's really where you've kind of had it. You want to change something in your world, whether it's, you know, how you manage emails, how you um, public speaking skills. It could be exercise, diet, whatever the case may be. And you start to gather information by talking to others, looking online, getting a professional diagnosis. You're kind of like looking at how could I start to change something? Sometimes we get a little bit nervous at this point, and sometimes you may or may not be sharing what you're thinking, but you're kind of prepping for this. And then all of a sudden, you're ready to go. You're going to take an action. You're going to start doing something new, and you're committed to working on this element of your life that you want to change. And you probably have noticed this before, that sometimes you can slip into old habits, and then you get back on the wagon. You're kind of going up and down. Success and failure here is, is typical around taking action around something that you want to change. And then what you can happen after that is you've been doing this new behavior for quite a while and you get into the maintenance phase. And then you're kind of locked in. You're starting to create new habits. And really the latest research does not say a new habit gets created in 21 days. It's actually much more longer than that. It's really the research I've seen is about 32 days all the way up to 66, depending on how complex your habit is and how ingrained it is and how much you want to shift it. So I say that because it's really important. This action and maintenance phase is really critical um, in order to create sustainable results for you in your life. I think sometimes we forget about the maintenance phase. So I want to take a second to just talk a little bit about the threats to behavior change in our society. And the first one is this really big focus on instant gratification, instant rewards. We see this all over the TV and marketing and um you know, even when we look at TV shows, everything sort of wraps up nicely in 30 to 60 minutes. Um, we want faster internet, faster wealth. We got more gadgets. We want this endless path of stuff. 
Well, we found out in 2008 with the housing crisis in the U.S. that more and more is not always the best way to live, and it's not always great for our economy. But we do get this association when we're really young. When we're really young, people tell us to work hard, we get good grades, if you get good grades, you're going to get a good job, you're going to get into college, you get a good job. So we start to associate action with results. And that gets reinforced. That's really focusing on the behavior piece. So again, sometimes that can get us into trouble for not really looking at what we're thinking and feeling. The other part is our focus on outcomes. We really sometimes forget about the process of life. Now, achievement and goals are important, but half of the time we're missing, while we're chasing our goals, we forget to pay attention to the process along the way. So we have two things going on that can really impact our ability to change. One is that idea of more, more, more. And then the quick fix mentality, where we don't actually want to work at something, we just want to get it fixed quickly. And both of these are sort of the opposite of being a master at something or a master mindset, as they say. And I even see that with my students who, you know, enter a PhD program and they they want to be doctors. They want to be a doctor at the end of the process, but they haven't quite realized the amount of work that it takes. We also see that with instant fame, instant millionaires, um, and we kind of are now aspiring to this instant everything, which may not be the best place to be in terms of behavior change. So um, these thoughts are really captured in a beautiful book called Mastery by George Leonard, and I really recommend it as if you want to go into more of that. There's a part of the book that I really love that talks about loving the plateau, and it's so important to acknowledge the plateau because when you look at mastery, it's not like an endless escalator of improvement. That's just not how change works. When we look at mastery, we actually see that it's more like stairs. You kind of go through this plateau and then you improve and you go through this plateau and you improve. And I want to talk a little bit about that because our society is saying results, results, results. Over and over again, we hear about the bottom line, the return investments for stakeholders without even considering the cost of the impact on the human beings in the business world. Because again, it's not an endless escalator of improvement. That's just not, that's an impossible way to look at change. It's actually more of a plateau. And um, if you think about that, when we continue to eat well and work out, let's just say, regardless if we're continuing to lose weight, or if we don't feel energy, we're not getting more energy, this is the moment to keep going. This is where a lot of people jump off the wagon of change, is they're no longer in this instance seeing the change. They're not seeing the results. People stop disconnecting from work because they're not, they're not getting the exact same feeling that they did when they first started doing that, or... Um, they are trying, you know, they're doing a good job at work, um, but they're not getting any accolades. And that's fine because this is our plateau phase. This is a place to do a lot of integration um, for us to get ready for the next improvement. So it's really about continuing to practice your craft and whatever that is. Maybe it's golf, maybe it's budgets, whatever it is, but to continue to work at that, even if you're not getting the exact results that you want. It's the ability to keep practicing without improvement. And I can say that I this happened, um, we were talking about this with a client of mine, and she owns her own business, and she was, again, in, on this trajectory of constant improvement. And we talked about the idea of the stairs, where your business is going to plateau for a little bit, then it's going to improve, then you're going to integrate, maybe you hire more people, you're going to plateau there, then it's going to improve again. And that really relieved for her a lot of stress, just to kind of realize that that is a natural flow of mastery for anything. It's not a constant upward scale. So I'd love for people to kind of think through and realize that it is really important to have this space 
this plateau where nothing is happening that's new. It's literally you're not seeing the results, but you're ultimately um, continuing to reinforce new habits. And I know as an athlete, this is where I used to get into trouble, whereas I'd be training and training and training, and I'd be going through this phase of the plateau, which I didn't know about back then, and I would get frustrated. And I'm sure being frustrated did not help me to train better. So to think through this plateau is that this is a space for you to go through the changes. And we can talk about this with the physical. Well, people who are losing weight will start to lose quite a bit, and then they'll plateau for a little bit. Same thing with energy. And we actually know the same thing is true for the brain. So as you're reconfiguring new neurons, as your thinking changes, as you're getting new ideas and you're changing some beliefs and you're changing your thinking around something, your brain actually needs time to integrate that. And that's the changes that we really need, that space for the thinking and the emotions to change our behaviors. And what's happening inside the body is that the neural pathways are getting stronger for certain certain things and not strong for other things. And we need that opportunity that plateau where nothing is happening in order to get ready for the next thing. So behavior change really takes time. It takes flexibility and the ability to stay on course. So again, sometimes we don't see the the needle moving in the way that we want to. And all of a sudden we change directions. We have a new approach for this, or this is not working. So we go to this. And then we start dabbling and skipping from one thing to the other versus just staying on course. So I like to encourage people to think through how can they stay on course without seeing those instant gratification moments? Because conscious behavior change really is a process and it involves specific steps. It requires time for your body to get used to it and master it. Even if it's cooking, eating differently, engaging in new or different physical activities, or even changing your sleeping habits. Once those skills are learned, it does take time to integrate them into the behavior patterns inside your brain. Again, which those thinking and how you feel about things and increases your opportunity for for great behaviors. So it's that integration phase that's really, really important. And sometimes people really jump ship too soon right here. And then they say it's not working. When really, if they had just stuck with it a little bit longer, they would get to that next increase or that see those next results. So I want people to start to think about that as they're thinking about behavior changes, no matter how small or how big. So it's time to take a break. So we'll be back in a couple minutes to wrap up um, some ideas around behavior change and bring on our guest. I'll be back in a few minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. 
Managing to Make a Difference, every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is The Mental Game of Life. To reach Dr. Christy Wanner, send an email to thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Again, that's thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Thanks so much for tuning in today and spending this time together. Prior to the break, we were talking about behavior change. How can we love that plateau where we're not seeing results instantly, but we're keeping going with the new behavior that we want to reinforce? And then how can we let go of our limitations? We're talking about thinking. And so I want to just wrap two thoughts up as we talk about behavior change. And one is I I love um, in the book Mastery, they talk about profile, different profiles that how people engage in activities. And one is the dabbler. That's a person who approaches activities with enormous enthusiasm. This person's like loving the newness of the activity. They get the spiffy outfit. They learn the lingo of the new activity. They really are overjoyed with their progress. They can't wait to go to the next session. Um, They start talking to their friends about it. And then the plateau hits. And this is where this type of person will tend to rationalize the activities not for them. And they just move to the next one. So the dabbler really specializes in that honeymoon phase. So if you recognize yourself in that one, I want to encourage you to stick with the activity to get up to that next level of whatever that is instead of jumping to a different activity. The other profile is the person who gets really obsessed. This is a person that's really about the bottom line, the results count, nothing else matters, but how you get to the end result. They usually progress really fast. The the people that are asking the instructor how they can read more, get more, more knowledge, more books, more practice. And they also push really hard in terms of they can stay late at night at the office. We, we find a lot of corporate managers fall into this category. But when the plateau hits, what they do is they keep pushing more and more. They don't accept that they're, they've stopped improving for the moment, and they'll push harder and harder on themselves, um, spending more hours at work. We also have what's called the hacker, which they have a different attitude than the others. They actually are more slower to get involved. They enjoy hanging out on the plateau, and they don't push for improvement. These people often um, leave on time or early from work, often wonder why they're not getting promotion, but they're just doing what they can to get by. So they're not really on this um, path of mastery. So they're more complacent. So if you see yourself in one of these profiles, I'm going to ask you to think through how does that impact how you change or how you think about changing? Are you people who, someone that jumps from one to one, you push too hard into a new activity, or you're somebody that just really is happy on that plateau? So remember, what we want to do is see no improvement, that's the plateau, and then we want to increase our performance. Plateau, increase our performance. So that's one way to think about things. And as we are thinking about our thinking, I want want to introduce you to this thing called the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton. He spent 20 years teaching medicine. He's got a PhD in cell biology. 
And what he really discovered was our cells actually respond to our thinking. Are actually, we're not determined, or our genes are not determined based upon our genetics. Actually, genetics can shift based upon our thinking. And he studied stem cells, and some stem cells were actually changing the peach tree dish based upon their environment, not based upon their genetics. So sometimes we can think that we're not able to modify our own genetic code, but it actually turns out you can. And so I really recommend the biology of belief because our thinking and our limited thinking can really impact um, our own systems and us changing our behavior. So to get more into uh, limited thinking and going beyond limitations, I would love to introduce our guest speaker, uh, Richard A. Cross, is currently a professor and empowerment speaker and coach and author, as well as the founder of Energize Your Thoughts. He's He teaches and helps people to push past those limitations. And in fact, he's got such a unique story about how he's overcome hurdles in his life. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice and a master's degree in sociology. And he's truly dedicated his life to teaching others how to transform their life from the ordinary to extraordinary. So with that said, I would love to bring Richard onto the show. Hello. Good afternoon, Dr. Christie. Wanna? Hi. Yeah. Hi. How yeah. are you? I'm doing great. Um, and thank you for you know giving me this opportunity to share uh, with your audience. Absolutely. I love having you on the show because you have such a unique story about how you can you've overcome limitations and how you help people. So I would love to start off with sharing a little bit of your story. You grew up in Jamaica in a very poor environment and now very successful professor, author of three books, and empowerment speaker. So could you start us off by just sharing your journey and how your life has has progressed over since you were little? Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And, you know, before I gained this um, courage, I would say, to share my story, at one point I was really embarrassed about, you know, where I'm coming from. But now I realize it wasn't just for me. So let me kind of share uh, where I'm coming from or, you know, the state of which I was born in. As uh, you have mentioned um, to the listeners already that I, you know, grew up in Jamaica, I grew up in poverty. I, you know, see my mom do domestic work and my father uh, do farming. And there were still days that we couldn't afford to eat, you know, especially when there's not uh, um, crop season where my father was producing any food, you know, so we could have things to, you know, so it was a bit challenging. And I believe the challenge that, you know, I was faced with, you know, the hard time not having things to eat, not having electricity, I think it affects my overall performance. Uh, and, and that is, you know, based on my academics, because I did very poorly um, when I was much younger in primary school, in high school, as with, you know, it, I graduated from high school, but I had zero subjects. And with that, you know, at one point, I believed that, you know, what they were saying about me, that I wasn't good enough, that I, I really wasn't, you know, because I was basing um, what could happen for me based on my academic performance then. And, you know, throughout that period, I, I was the best athlete in high school, so I was fortunate enough to go to college. And, you know, I, I, today I really tell people that I went to college in grades, you know, because I had no subject. I had my athletic prowess, my athletic ability, and that, 
you know, really helped me to take my life to another level from not um, seen as someone who would go to college to end up in college. But the funny thing about me going to college whilst I was in Jamaica, I still had the belief that I was an average person. And believe it or not, whilst I was there in college, I literally tell myself that I'm going to see my way through, which was what happened. I, you know, graduated there uh, with the same belief that I was an average person. I couldn't achieve much, and I ended up graduating with 2.1 GPA. And, you know, from being in college and didn't get a job after college, you know, with the same mindset of limiting beliefs, I joined the police force, which kind of helped to change my mindset a little bit. And from being in the police force, I realized that there were some other things that I could do, but I wasn't really maximizing on those things that really come to my awareness. As there was one author who said, you know, at first we are in, um, unconscious, incompetent, where, you know, based on our environment, we don't know that we don't know. And so we're not going to apply anything. So we're unconscious, incompetent. And, but at the time, whilst I was in the police force, I was still, um, to myself, incompetent. But I become, or became conscious of, you know, there was more for me to do or more that I can do, but I wasn't applying it because that belief, uh, you know, as a child was still there. I was still battling with that doubt, with that limiting belief. And from, you know, the police force, um, I still continue um, doing track and field. And so I end up in the United States on a track and field scholarship. And whilst I was here in, at college, I realized something changed. I got 4.0 my first semester. And my second semester, I got 4.0 also. And that's when I started really questioning myself. I asked myself, where did this came from? Where did this um, smartness, you know, um, just arrive out of nowhere? But what I come to realize, it wasn't that I wasn't capable when I was much younger. It was because of the belief I hold on to daily, you know, what people say to me and what I've come to, you know, what I start believing about myself. So from my first here. 2006, when I came to um, college in the state, there was just a shift. I believe, actually, the coach said something to me. He said, this is your only chance, and you've got to make the best of it. And being that I was in an environment that was providing me the opportunity and the resources to excel, I really held on to it. And doing that also changed my belief system. And mm-hmm. from that change, I just started... From then, I realized that, you know what, I can do whatever I want to do. I just need to apply myself, override the old thinking. So from, you know, being there in Jamaica to think less of myself to that point in here in 2006. So my first two semesters kind of really helped me to really change my mindset. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it was the environment shift it was the opportunity for resources. It was external people telling you, hey, you can take advantage of this and you can do it. And it really was you making 
realizing that you could do it, like changing that belief, like you said, rewriting that program of you can do it. And then there you go, your results of 4.0, your first semester. Well, yes, you know, and, and that's what, you know, I believe people have to, we all have to realize that, you know, um, they, they can tell you that you can, but your effort has to be, you know, a part of the process of you realizing that potential because right now what I do tell uh, even my students in the class are those that I'm coaching in their coaching session is that you can do whatever you want to do. I always bring a blank sheet of paper, you know, to my first session with my students or with my clients and have them write everything they can remember on one side and I have them turn that paper over. And then I tell them that right now, whatever you start writing, that's what your life is going to be. So you have to know, start thinking consciously, what am I going to write? And don't limit yourself based on past mistakes. Don't limit yourself on what people have told you. You now decide. Because that's, you know, it, it may seem or sound um, um, simple. Uh, it is simple. You know, some people may say, no, it's not that simple. But, you know, I believe that once we consciously decide that, you know, I'm going to think differently, it may not happen overnight as, you know, some people want change to happen overnight. It's going to be a continuous thing. You have to be really obsessed about, you know, that change that you want to see in your life. And, you know, you go through those different steps, those different um, periods, you know, where you may feel as if, you know what, oh, man, I changed the way I think. I started thinking differently, but I haven't seen any real change in my life. But some real changes um, will take time. As for me, yeah. yes, you know, I changed with my academics, but, you know, there were more things that I wanted to do that I wasn't doing at the time when I changed my belief. You know, so, but it all happened over a period of time. Absolutely. And that's what I was talking about earlier is sometimes we don't see the change right away, but that's that plateau where things are kind of getting rewired in your brain, um, rewired in your body, and then you'll see the results. So I love what you're saying, too, because it really is giving yourself the space and time to make a change and that will not happen overnight. But it's that continuous effort to to keep changing yourself that you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah, in your book, um, Going Beyond Limitations, you really talk about the importance of affirmations. Why do you think these are important to changing our thinking? Well, affirmation, um, I believe, is very important because, especially if you were grown up in an environment that conditioned you to think less of yourself. So it's like you use an affirmation to override those old beliefs, those old paradigms. You know, how you used to see yourself, how you used to think about what's possible for you. So the more you tell yourself um, that you're capable, that you're good enough, that you can do this, whatever you're doing, you know, over a period of time, you're going to believe because, you know, believe it or not, we are talking to ourselves. So if you choose consciously, uh, be intentional about what you're telling yourself over a per- period of time, that's what you're going to believe. And that's what you're going to start um, thinking about. And, you know, our thinking affects our behavior. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing from Matt, it's, you know, it's about being conscious about what you want in your life. And it's about reaffirming it in your mind, which will help to change behaviors. So you have, like, and you were talking about self-talk there. And you have other um, principles in your book. You have 11 principles about how people can change their life. Can you share a couple 
key principles that you think would be the most important important ones for the listeners to get started with? Uh, yes, and, and you know, I will definitely start with number one, which is let go. Um, a lot of times when we decide that, you know, we want more of life, um, why we don't make those moves at times is because we're still holding on to our past mistakes, our beliefs of what people have told us. So we have to come to that um, consciousness, you know, we let go of that limiting belief. Let go of the mistakes you have made because guess what? You already made those mistakes. You can't change them. So if you hold on to those mistakes, it's only going to cause you not to become the person that you are capable of becoming. So, you know, I, I, I really stress on, you know, letting go of limiting beliefs. And how are you going to let go of the limiting beliefs? You have to use those same affirmations and reaffirm yourself, uh, reaffirm the possibility, reaffirm what you are capable of by telling yourself over and over that, yes, you can do this. You know, so by you reprogramming your mind, you know, automatically you're going to start um, um, thinking differently when I'm thinking about the mistakes you have made because, you know, it's the new thought pattern that's going to propel you forward, not the old um, things that, you know, you have been holding on for years or when, how much of, amount of time you have been holding on to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one that I believe is... Um, Really um, important is um, principle four, which is identify your uniqueness. I believe we all have some special ability. And once you identify what you're good at, you may not do it forever. You may not do it as a career, but it will help you to take you to the next level. And why I say that, for me, as I said earlier, that... I wasn't doing well academically when I was much younger, but I would not miss one. I would miss a day of training. I was the best athlete within my age group whilst I was in high school, and I would train every single day, even if I was the only person on the track training. So I realized, you know, then, believe it, believe it or not, I wasn't really conscious of what I was doing. I wasn't, you know, really aware that I was kind of programming myself a way to get to the next level. I was just doing it because I loved it, and I was good at it. So mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you are good at, you use it, take it to the next level. If it's painting, whatever it is, you paint. I want you to become great at it. I want you to become good at it. You can use that to take it to the next level. Either you sell your art or, you know, you know start like a... Um, training where you teach other people to do your art and you can use whatever you make from that to pay for something else that you want to do. You know, for me, I was, it was track. I trained even when people told me that, you know what, oh, you're not going to get anything other than, you know, you have spent six years in high school, didn't get any scholarship, stop. But I held on to my belief that, you know what, something can come out of this. At one point, people thought I was crazy, but, you know, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Um, you know, people right. want to think you're crazy. You know, yeah. it's, it's that's like, a good, you know, it's like obsession. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And we'll be right. We're going to take a short break. When we return, we'll be back with our guest, empowerment speaker, coach, and entrepreneur, Richard A. Cross, to hear more great principles um, about how you can change your thinking to change your results.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Mental Game of Life. To reach Dr. Christy Wanner, send an email to thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Again, that's thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending this time together. It's a very exciting day. We have Richard A. Cross on the line, our guest speaker here. Before the break, we were talking about a couple principles. One was letting go letting go of past stuff because the past does not have to continually define your future. And the other principle was really finding your uniqueness. And Richard was telling us and encouraging us all to find our uniqueness and bring that out into the world, whether that's your job or your hobbies. So Richard, thank you for for bringing that forward. Um, Also in your book, you talk about the importance of gratitude. Why is gratitude so important in shifting our limiting beliefs? Well, you know, if, well, you know, gratitude is like a given. It's it's something that we all should. Oops, it looks like um, we lost Richard there. So we'll get him back on here. But in the meantime, I will um, talk a little bit about and reinforce some of those points. So one of the things that I really love about Richard's work and we talked about in the in the book is this importance of gratitude. It's really important to be grateful, not just for what we've got in our lives, but for ourselves. A lot of times we're not giving ourselves enough credit um, for the changes that we make. And people will say, Oh, I didn't make all the I didn't make everything or I didn't do the whole change perfectly, whether it was a diet or a nutrition plan or um, you know, doing things differently in the work world. But what's important really is to have gratitude for the changes you have made. And when you feel good about yourself, it increases the opportunity for you truly 
to um, continue on that path, right? Of course, when we don't feel good about ourselves, it's a lot easier to now jump off the wagon of that change. So really being grateful for not only um, things in our life, but also for us, ourselves. Richard also Uh, talked. Indeed. Oh, oh, great. You're back. Awesome. Okay, perfect. So So anything to add to that? Well, um, you know, you, you, you kind of almost cover it, but you know, once you, 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 you practice, once you're practicing gratitude, you, you have less time to think about the things that you don't have. And as you know, we have heard over and over what we think about, we bring about. So by you don't want to even experience lack in your life, but if you constantly think about what you don't have, that's what you're going to keep attracting. So if you want to attract, more of the things that you want. You have to start being grateful for what you do have. And that will also help with your mindset, you know, that will make you a more positive person. That will make, you know, you just appreciate everything around you more. And once you, you know, you start, you know, living like that, you're going to start, you know, even seeing more things that you can be grateful for. And you're going to have more things start coming to you as you can be grateful for, because that's what you are focusing on, you know, what you do have and can be grateful for. Then you're not going to be attracting to you the things that you don't want. So gratitude, you know, is what helps you to become successful. Uh, gratitude breeds abundance. Uh, so you have to, it's something that we have to do, and sometimes we forget about it, especially when we are pursuing our dream, you know, you know trying to achieve that big goal. We just focus on, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, and forget about the things that we already have. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. So, Richard, you have a great book. I love it. Going um, Beyond Limitations, Breaking the Bonds Between You and What Holds You Back. Where can people get this book if anyone's interested in that? Well, they can get the book on Amazon.com, and they also can get a book um, on my website, richardacross.com. And you have a couple other books as well. What are they? What are they on? What topic are they on? Well, the the first book is um, the experiences through the human eyes. It's it, the first book was more a poetry, uh, but it also talks about the things that we experience in our life. You know, that was when I started to make the transition in my life, where I talk about some of the things that I had experienced and have seen around me within my environment growing up in Jamaica. So that book, um, I haven't um, print anymore um, for, for the past year, uh, but I'm looking forward to start reprinting um, the experiences through the human eyes. And I have um, 21 days to feel more empowered. Uh, right here, I was waiting until September to really release that uh, because I was doing so much promotion with um, going beyond limitations because I have a plan for going beyond limitation. I was using it to raise uh, money to actually send two students back home um, to college. Wow, that's awesome. So, you know, I think your books have been great. I've read a number of them, so really encourage those if anyone's interested in, in going a little deeper with what you're talking about in terms of, you know, really shifting your, your thinking. You also um, are the founder of Energize Your Thoughts. And can you speak a little bit about the services that you offer people and, you know, who do you mostly work with? I guess I'm really interested in knowing that as well. Okay. Um, right now I'm doing um, empowerment um, speaking, uh, motivation speaking, uh, empowerment coaching, 
Uh, right now, um, we're working um, with adults and youth, but for youth um, services, I, I do mostly um, speaking, not so much of one-on-one coaching with um, youth, but uh, speaking to youth um, organization, uh, high school, colleges, you know, wherever uh, people are, and they're everywhere, that need to be reminded of the possibility, you know, to realize that it's in them, you know, to be what they want to be. So school, high school, churches, um, youth centers, youth conferences, uh, I'm hoping to, you know, speak and coach those who want to go beyond limitations. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I have two final questions for you. I just want to reinforce um, where people could reach you. Could you let people know what your your email address is as well as your website again? Yes. Um, you can, they can reach me at richardacross.com. My email address is racross13 at gmail.com. And they also can follow me on Instagram where I post motivational and inspirational uh, messages every single day, seven days a week. Awesome. So two, two um, final questions for you, just real quick. Um, what do you think the number one roadblock or misstep is when people are trying to change their behavior? What have you noticed coaching people? Well, what I've I noticed is that people hold on to their mistakes and what people have told them about themselves. Um, those are the two biggest challenges I realize people are dealing with. Um, you know, they, a lot of people can't see themselves beyond the mistakes they have made. And it's just to get them to realize that, one, they can't change it. And two, if they're going to ever uh, reach their full potential, they have to start from where they are to get to where they want to be. Uh-huh. Love it. So I have sort of a follow-up to that. I love how you went, those, those two wis- pieces of wisdom there. But if people want to truly master and produce great results in their life, so be a master of creating results, what final ad- advice do you have for them to get started? Well, you know, just started. You know, just get started. And uh, that's the thing, you know, don't worry about what people are going to say about you. Don't worry about even the mistakes that you may make, you know, because a lot of times people are thinking about, oh, I may fail. Oh, this person is going to say, you know what, I'm not good enough. But if you constantly think about what people are going to say about you, you will never leave where you are to get to where you want to be. So it's just start. And as the quote said, the, 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 the um, and is it um, the, of a thousand miles start with a single step? The journey, you know, of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So, they, you know, whoever wants to get to somewhere that they are not, where they are not right now, have to make that first step. I want to take that step. Just take the next step because that's all it takes. Don't worry about it. the ten steps that you've got to take down the road. Just take one step, then the next step, and just focus on the next step. And before you know it, you, 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 you are far on your journey towards what you want to achieve. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. As we go into the recipe for success, we already got some, some great pointers there. So I also wanted to mention a great quote. The only limits for tomorrow are the doubts we have today. So I love what Richard is saying in terms of you know letting go of those doubts, of those things other people have said, to really create your own life and the way you can do that is by starting with your behaviors 
or it is with shifting your beliefs. You really can shift your beliefs. And there's a couple things I want to leave you with um, is using the tool of positive self-talk and affirmations to change your thinking and how you feel. Once you change your behaviors, it also increases the opportunity for more positive thoughts to be there. So it reinforces that cycle again, that triangle we talked about. I, eat, I can eat healthy on the road. I am a confident public speaker. I have the time I need to complete X. So we want to make sure that we are reaffirming positive things. I also love the Kaizen method um, where you're really picking one behavior. It's a small change and do it consistently. The Kaizen really is um, a method from Japan and was really used a lot in Toyota. And what that is is about change for better. And it's not about massive change. It's about micro changes. And we had Steve and Terry talk a little bit about that a couple weeks ago. But really pick something small in your life and do it consistently versus saying you're going to meditate for 25 minutes or you're going to learn how to bucket and do emails more efficiently all at once. Pick something smaller, meditate for one minute, exercise for one minute and do it consistently for 32 to 62 days or 66 days, sorry. That's really what we want to we want to achieve. So consistency really builds the habit. That's what we're getting into. So that's another thing you can be thinking about. How do you start small to take those steps? As Richard was just saying, take that first step. Pick up a book on changing beliefs. I recommended two masteries. I think a great one. Of course, we have Biology Belief, which I think is fabulous as well. And then, of course, we have Richard's book, Going Beyond Limitations. So pick up something and dive a little bit deeper. If you're really interested in how do you change behaviors, of course, you can use that in the business world, your personal life, relationships, whatever the case is. And then learn to be patient and love the plateau. That plateau is a place for your body and your brain to reconfigure in order to get prepared for the next level of performance. The plateau is so important. Don't jump off the mountain. Stay on the plateau and keep up with that, that new behavior until it becomes a new pattern for you. Really, your just body's getting ready, your mind's getting ready to then move to the next level. It doesn't mean that you're not making progress. The plateau is where we're going to spend the majority of our life. We've got to learn to love being there, not the instant gratification, but become a master of our lives. So with that said, I want to just wrap us up. Um, those are some some takeaways. You might have picked up some others as well. Is everyone to first, of course, thank our guest speaker today, Richard A. Cross, for sharing his story of really overcoming um, people telling him that he wasn't going to be anything in life, and yet he became um, and is becoming a huge success. So um, pick up his book, connect with him. Uh, his daily quotes are really inspirational, really recommend it. Next week, we're going to be looking in really pretty intensely at how our brain actually works and how we can use it effectively to create more energy, focus, and decision-making. And so what I want to leave with you with you today is as we get into more about brain, how the brain actually works, the anatomy of the brain, that's what we're going to be focused on next week. The week after that, we're going to be really focused on productivity and how do we use technology to support us versus our technology stealing our life away. But I want you to think about how you can start creating great habits in your life, whether it was this show or past shows or the next shows, there's going to be something that you pick up, a gold nugget that you want to move forward with. Think about how do you create behavior changes in your life um, for more energy, more focus, and more success. So until then, think about what micro change you're going to make to increase your mental game. I'll be back with you next week. Thank you for tuning into The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christy Wanner. Please be sure to join us again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Let's talk next week.